All right. Am I on? All right. All right. If you want to turn to Isaiah 53, I uh, honestly don't know how this is going to go. I know this is what God wants, but I don't know how it's going to go. Um, so before we get into it, I want to try to set a picture, get you to think about something. So I'm going to need some help for it. So what I need is, let's see, I need four guys right where they're at. Um, Dan, can you be one of the guys? Okay. Elliot, I'm going to have you be one of the guys. I'm going to have Nick, you're going to be one of the guys, okay? And then uh, Mr. Beam. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to explain it. What I want you to do is I'm going to just stand up, and all you're going to say is holy, holy, holy. After you're done saying that, I want you to say holy, holy, holy. And just keep saying that until you say stop, okay? Now, while you're doing that, wait until I tell you to go. I need Alex, Jude, Titus, and Michael. You guys are going to be at the same time saying, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. That's all I want you to say, okay? So if you guys that pick, if you could stand up. And the rest of you, I want you to picture this, okay? Because this is what we're going to hear forever. Okay? So let me hear my holy, holy, holies. Go ahead. Keep going. Try to say it all together. Let's hear the thou art worthy. Keep on going with the holy, holy, holy at the same time. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that's going to sound like in heaven? All right, thank you. You guys can have a seat. Do you guys imagine what that's going to sound like in heaven? I wanted you guys to think about that because it's going to tie in with the message. In heaven... God, who is holy, 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 who is worthy, is hearing that. And we're going to see that. You're going to see the four and twenty elders. You're going to see the beasts. You're going you're to see this. You're going to see the pearly gates. You're going to see the street of gold. You're going to see loved ones. You're going to see a place where no pain you're going to see a place of no more tears someday. You're going to see a place of no more violence, no more lying, no more cheating. You're going to see this place. And it is an awesome place. I, I wish I could get my mind around what it's going to look like up there. We have no idea. Our minds cannot picture what it's going to be like in heaven. So keep that in mind. Holy Holy, holy, thou art worthy. Today I'm going to preach on God's love. God's love. So what I did is I looked up, what do kids think of love? Not what the Bible says, but what do kids think? And I found a list of kids between the ages of four and eight years old on their version of love. It's amazing how kids pick stuff up. Terry, age four, says, love is what makes you smile when you are tired. Love, for Danny, was love when mommy makes coffee for daddy, and she takes a sip before giving to him to make sure it tastes okay. <laughs> That's a kid's way of looking at it. 
Uh, Elaine at five said, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. <laughs> That's how she sees love. Uh, let's see, Noel, age seven, learned, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> yep. Bobby, age seven, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas when you stop opening presents and listen. That's a good one. That's a good one right there. Uh, Nikki, age six, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with the friends who you hate. That's a six-year-old. That's a good one. And last one, Rebecca, age eight, when my grandmother got arthritis, she could not bend over to paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too, because he loved her. Love. Love is simply just putting others first. You know what? You can't love someone if you think you're better than them. You can't. So before we get into this, let's pray real quick. God, we're just so thankful that we can be in church. And uh, thankful for the Bible we have. Uh, thankful for the songs we sing about your love. And uh, God, help us to never forget the love that you showed us. And uh, help us to never be ashamed to tell others about it. I pray you help us with the message, give me the words to speak, and that uh, we have a good service in your name, amen. Isaiah chapter 53, you probably all know this chapter. It is not, it's nice, I like it, but it's also a very rough passage when you think of these verses. Um, we're going to start in cha uh, chapter 53, verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and was hid as it was our face from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs, and he carried our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and, he was, and as a sheep before the shearer is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. And then if you go down to verse 10, this is one of my favorite verses this chapter. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put on him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make him his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and, it, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? Why would that be? He hath put him to grief. And then it says, When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. The love of offering him for our sins. If you go over to Matthew 27, Matthew chapter 27, verse 22, we saw what was going to happen in Isaiah. It's a, it's a picture of what was going to happen to Christ. 
Um, he was bruised. He was beaten. He was afflicted for us. And you go over here to Matthew 27, verse 22. It says, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. If you know this passage, if you keep going down, he tells them how he wants to be innocent of it. If that's what you want, take him, but I'm not going to have any part of it. And you get over to verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorn, they put it on his head and the reed in his hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him. And they took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. You remember how we started this off with what, this picture of heaven? We're not describing heaven anymore right here. But we're talking about the same person. You see what he gave up because he loved us? He gave up heaven. Over in Luke chapter 23, another version of this story here, you, got, you can find the same story in four different uh, chapters of the Bible. It's Mark 15, John 19, Matthew 27, Luke 23. I love that you can read the same thing in a different book and you can see a little bit different view of what's going on or what happened or a little bit something different. And it brings it all together. In verse 30, uh, let's see, We'll start in verse 32, 23-32. And there were also two others, malefactors, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactor, one on the right hand, and the other on the right and the left hand. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Do you realize what he said on that cross after what he went through? Father, forgive them. I don't know. I can't wrap my mind around this. This is God. If you were to be in this place and go through all that, would you say that? In our earthly mind, would you say that? After they beat you, after they whipped you, after they put the crown of thorns and hit it on your head, they slapped you, they spit on you, and you're hanging on the cross. You go to the cross and you say, Father, forgive them. I, for they know not what they do. It's an awesome picture of what God's done for us. In verse 38, it talks about how they, they put the sign up in Latin and Greek and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. They were right. They were joking about it, I think, but they, they're right. This is the king of the Jews that they have hanging there. 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost, thou not, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards for our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. 
He figured it out on the cross. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So what do we got here? We've got a story in Isaiah of what was going to happen. We got the story in Matthew and the story in Luke of it coming to pass. We see that he left his throne. We took a little time to picture what heaven's like. He's up there with his father, and he's sent down here. And I can't imagine why I would ever want to leave heaven. But then I read those things about those kids. When you love someone, you're willing to do stuff for them. You know, when I think of the word love, we use the word a lot. Have you ever thought about it? How many, let's be honest, how many love a good, juicy cheeseburger with bacon on it? Yeah? Oh, man. Don't you just love that? Do we really love it, though? Think of the word. Do we love it? How many love to watch a good hockey fight? Maybe when the goalies are going at it and they take the goalie off on a stretcher. That's a good game. But do we really love it? We're talking love. Or how about this? We love to play the piano. Some of you love to play that piano. And there's nothing wrong with playing the piano. There's nothing wrong with hockey. There's nothing wrong with a cheeseburger. But when you use the word love, do you mean it? Because if you have your mindset of a cheeseburger or a hockey game, and you use the word love, and you get used to that version of love, and then you read about God, your love is not the same kind of love. Can I tell you, God is better than the cheeseburger any day, and you shouldn't compare the two. But in our mind, we say love is a general term. You know what? Love changes. I, I believe it changes the older you get. The longer you're married. You know what? You can ask any married couple here, when they were at the altar and they met their wife, they loved her, but they don't love her the same as they did that day. Love changes. It grows. It, they're closer. I'm coming up on 10 years in October for being married. You know what? I thought I loved my wife on our wedding day. I didn't even know what love was. I still try to figure it out. Because it's, it's, you can't explain it. You can't put it in a box. You know what? When we do is we say it's a cheeseburger, we just put a box on it. This is love. You know what? We like to play baseball. I love baseball. You just put a box on it. This is what love is. We don't want to do that with God. He's not a box. The love. We're talking about God who came down from heaven, died on the cross for you. Kids, listen, this is what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about that, I'm saying God loves you. That's how much it is. You know when he died on that cross for the sins? Because he loves karma. You know what happens when he died on that cross? It's because he loved Michael. And you could put your name in there. God loves you. And you think about that. He was spit, mocked, he was slapped. Horrible stuff. Because he loved you. You know, um, maybe tonight you don't know. Maybe you're not even saved. I don't know where you are, but some of you might not even be saved. Can I tell you? I'm going to show you what God's love is for those that aren't saved. If you go over to Romans chapter 23, 
Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We all know this verse. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what? You're a sinner. When I say that, I mean myself. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. That's who God loves. That's who God sent his son down to die for. He's, for all have sinned. If you think you're above that verse, you're wrong. All have sinned. That's everybody. You know, there's no way around it. We're going to die, and we're going to either die a sinner, or we're going to die a sinner saved by grace. That's how it ends up being at the end. But in the end, we're all sinners. It says over in chapter 6, chapter 6 it says, For the wages of sin is death. Bible says the wages of sin. I try to explain this to the kids in master clubs. A wage is simply a payment. You know what? When you go to work a job, they pay you. Because you did something, you get this. You know what? If I, I always explain it. If I, if I wanted Timothy to rake my leaves in my yard, I say, Timothy, you rake all my leaves, I'll give you $50. When he's done, his wage is $50. Because that's what he gets. You know what the Bible says our wages, our payment our, for our sins is? Death. When you put it on a monetary value and you picture it, it shows you, wow, I can't pay that. Our, for the wages of sins. But the second part of the verse, and I'm thankful the Bible doesn't stop at the first part of that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What was the gift? Jesus. Dying on the cross for us. The gift of God. You know what? I'm so thankful. One, this verse has a second part. And two, I'm thankful for the gift. The gift. You know what? This is the hardest thing people have to get over when they're trying to witness to someone is, what do I have to do? I, it seems too simple. I have to do something. I have to go to church. I have to pray a prayer. I have to do this. Maybe I have to help people. I have to do stuff. No, you do nothing for a gift but receive it. None of us worked for our Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. We didn't have to work anything. We didn't even have to say, hey, here's $10, thanks for the gifts. You can't buy it. It's a gift. It's given to you. But the gift of God is eternal life. Over in chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Commendeth, he showed, he demonstrated, he showed his love to us. Who are we? The sinners. The ones that are of no value to God until we're saved. We're, we're, we're nothing. And God loved us and sent his son down to die for us. He showed his love to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, that says us, but you can put your name there. Christ died for, and put your name in there, because he did. He died for you, because he loves you. It says in chapter 10, chapter 10, how, how do we get this? This love? How do we get this stuff? How do we know? You know, the Bible says it's done by this. In chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and shalt believe in thine heart. That what? That he died for your sins, that he was buried, he rose again. You know what? I've talked to guys I've witnessed, and they understand that God died. They understand that he was buried, but they can't wrap their head around that he's alive and that he did that for them. It's it, When you think about that, God loved you enough to send his only son to die for you. Why are we not telling people more about this? Why do we want to keep this in a box to ourselves? Have you told someone lately that God loves them and showed them from the Bible what God did for them? You know, I, I'm, I'm not outspoken enough to talk to someone. You don't have any ability to say, hey, God loves you enough to pay for your sin. That's too hard for you to do that you would rather watch and walk away and maybe never get told. When you think about that, you may be the last person that saw ever when they walk away. That person that you're supposed to give the track to in the store, they may never get another person by their way. They could die in a car crash as soon as they pulled out of the driveway. You could have been their last chance to hear that God loved them and died for their sins. I don't know. Now, in verse 13, it says, For whosoever to call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, that's everybody. Whosoever. Not whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord may be saved or can be saved or should be saved later or will be saved later. It says, shall be saved now. You can be saved now. You don't have to wait. You know, that's what God did because he loves us. He loves us enough to die for us. Now, we can't preach about God's love without going to the classic verse. We all know the verse, John 3.16. I want to just look at this verse for a second. It's a verse that we probably all memorized as a kid. How many know this verse, memorized this verse? John 3.16. Most hands are up. Have you ever really just sat down and just meditated and thought on this verse? There is so much in this verse for God. Just to start off, for God. Who is God? If you think about it, God. The guy, if we want to put him in human port, he's sitting there in heaven and he said, let there be light. And there was light. He created everything by speaking. This is the God we're talking about. For God, the one who can form a mountain, the one who was able to create the animals, the one who creates the sunset that we're going to see tonight. There is no artist like our God. You know what? You can't... I can never recreate some of those sunsets or sunrises. For God so loved the world. He loved us. You put your name in that part too. Or world, put your name. You know what? You may be saved, but think about this. For God so loved and put your name there. God loves you. God loves you. That he gave. There's that gift we're talking about. He gave. He didn't ask for anything in return. He didn't ask for money, like some religions say. He didn't ask for prayers, like some religions say. 
He didn't ask for do good to people to be saved. That's not what he's asking. He gave. What did he give? His only begotten son. We're only halfway through the verse. You realize we've just talked about the creator, the gift, and his only son. If we were to stop right there, that is an awesome picture. That the God who created everything gave a gift to us sinners of his only son, who was perfect for us. Then it says that whosoever believeth in him. That's everyone. If you believe, it doesn't say, it's like some believe, the elect, the select people that believe. It says, whosoever believeth shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you enough to send his son to die for you. And you know what? It seems so simple. And I know this is a simple concept, but sometimes we forget in our daily life that, hey, God loves you. You know what? There's days when you're having a down day, you're having a bad day. You know what? You can just stop and go, you know what? God loves me still. Pastor was preaching, was it Monday night you preached at Pastor Birkinshaw's, and you made a comment and you said, your worst day saved is still better than your best day lost. You know what? Your worst day saved, you can sit down and just say, God loves me. He still loves you. Right. On your bad days. You know what? We always seem to be excited. God loves me because we're up here. We just got done doing something great. And then we have those valleys. You know what? You have those moments where we just got done fighting the giants and we're down in the valley and that's where we get kind of down and depressed and woe is me. You know what? God loves you. He still loves you. He didn't leave you. You know, you, you read the stories in the Old Testament where the guy would go and you could pick one where they have these mountaintop experiences and then they're down and they're just, they're exhausted, they're wiped out and they doubt. They doubt something. Why am I the only one left? Why, what's going on? There's no one left. I'm all alone. No, God's still there and he still loves you. You know what we have? I've noticed in our church after our VBS, we're at the peak. And a couple weeks after, sometimes we're like, oh, we're wiped out. That's when we got to stop and say, you know what? You're not going to get me down today. God still loves me. It's still a good day. You know, I had a bad day at work. My car crashed. I crashed my car or someone crashed into my car or whatever. God still loves you. He still loves you. He still died for you and paid for your sins. Now, if you're not saved, that's one thing. Now, on the other side, you're saved. We got two groups. We got the lost that need to be saved. They need to see God's love. And you got those saved over here. Here's what I have for you if you're not, if you're saved. One, like I said earlier, are you telling others that God loves them? Are you being a good example to them of God's love that he's, have you, you know what? I've seen people and I can say, wow, God loved them. And I can see how they react to things and how their, their speech is different because they see God's love. They're not afraid to tell others. Are you ashamed to tell others? I, I don't know. I, I'm not one that really go into a group and just start. I'm not a pastor king. Okay? If, if you don't know what I mean, I suggest when he's in town, take him out someday. 
Take them to a store with a lot of people. It'll change your whole outlook on life. That guy can witness to anyone based on what they're holding in their hand. He just he's an outgoing guy. And I remember I was with him one time. He wanted to go to a woodworking store. I don't know how we even found the place. We were in the middle of nowhere. And we're out there, and this guy has this piece of wood. And it, it was a nice piece of wood. It was a bird's eye maple. He's holding it, and he's talking. And Pastor King goes, you know what? On another note, that is a good piece of wood. But do you know the guy who made that? And he's like, what do you mean? He goes, do you know God who created that wood? Do you know him? And I remember he looked at me and goes, I don't know if you know this, but the guy who created that wood, he loves you. And he just opened up and just started talking to this, this man that owned the store. I'm like, how did he get to that? We were talking about bird's eye maple. <laughs> but if God loves you and died for you, you shouldn't be afraid to say, you know what, I can turn that into an opportunity to tell someone else that God loves them. That's what we're supposed to do. We, we should take a time to find. You know, some of you need to maybe tell someone. Maybe there's someone that you could think of right now that you should be telling. Hey, God loves you enough to die for you, and this is what you need to do. You can be saved from your sins. There's a gift. Witness to them. We tell the kids in Master Clubs, here's tracks. Go pass out tracks. If you get a chance, explain the track to them. And our tracks say, everybody needs Jesus. We have some tracks that say, God loves you. Because you know what, kids? God loves the kids, too. Sometimes you talk to people and they say, it's for the adults. When I get older, I'll take care of that. God loves the kids. We sometimes want to push the kids off to the side because we want to talk to the parent when we were doing door-to-door a lot of times. Or, hey, let's distract the kids over here while you do it. How about this? Tell the kids that God loves them and the mom and dad and let the whole family get saved. That's what we need. We don't need just a couple kids saved in church. We need some parents in the church you know, we have some little kids that come over to Mash Club and Junior Church that their parents have never even met yet. You know what? God loves them too. You know, it doesn't matter your physical restrictions. It doesn't matter your mental restrictions. God still loves them. Um, we had a little kid. Some of you are going to know who I'm talking about. I was just talking to the pastor about it today. We had a little boy who came to Mas- uh, VBS a few years ago, and he was autistic. And it was always the standing joke. He, he couldn't really read very good. I Honestly, I questioned why. There was a few times that year I questioned, why is he even here? Is he understanding anything? And the standing joke was, he got halfway through his verse sheet that year, and that's because he ate it. He ate his verse sheet. And I was like, man, in my mind, let's be honest, what a waste. That's what I was thinking. Why? We're not getting anywhere with this kid. He is staring at a crack in the wall over there the whole night, and he didn't pay attention to anything. And that year I said, you know what, we're going to go and make a follow-up call on all these kids. And I went with Pastor Jared, and I went to his house. And I said, hey, bud, how was VBS? Did you learn anything? He just looked at me with a big old smile and said, yeah, I learned that God loves me. Okay. He's autistic. I didn't even think he was paying attention. You know what? That's all he got out of that whole week. One thing he learned was, God loves me. I don't know his home situation. He may not be told he's loved at home. I don't know. But he knew God loved him that week. Even though he was not, 
In, in our church, I have kids that come in that have physical disabilities and stuff. They're still loved by God. And I'm not going to make anything different to push them out. But you know what? Sometimes in our head we think, there's no chance for that kid. But that was a good eye-opener to me because he realized one thing. God loved him. If that's all he got out of the week, we, we won. We won a little bit of battle with him because God loved him. And that's, that's big. Do you ever doubt in the hard time that maybe God doesn't love you anymore? Can I tell you, he, he still loves you. You know, when you're in your darkest day, I, I don't want to beat the point, but can I just tell you one more time? God loves you. Don't get over that. We have in our songbook, it worked out perfectly, didn't it, Aaron? We were up there, we got here a little bit early, and was doing some piano stuff, and Aaron said, oh, I forgot to make my song list. I go, well, perfect. Pick songs between 173 and 188. Because those are songs about love. So he did. He picked some of those. If you think about some of those songs, Love Lifted Me. It's just like his great love. When you think about the words of that song, how about Jesus loves the little children? Because he does. Jesus loves even me. When you think about these, these songs, and you, you read the words of these songs, and what they mean. 179, such love, such wondrous love. If you, if you were to look at that, 179, if you grab your songbook there, open up to 179. I just want to show you, we're just going to look at a couple of these real quick. Because Pastor, was it Sunday School, talked about how music is important. Mm -hmm. The right kind of music can make or break your whole day. Right. It can. Just look at the chorus of 179. Such love, such wondrous love, such love, such wondrous love, that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this. When you sing that song, you realize what you're saying? God loves a sinner such as I. How about if you were to go to, uh, you don't have to turn there, but in 180, the next one over, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Isn't God's love wonderful? Or it says uh, in 187 is, Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, it's a little kid song. No, Jesus loves you. 188. Go over to 188 in your songbook. The love of God. We have wonderful story of love. We have my Savior's love. We could go through these songs, but 188, to close the message, I just want you to think of this one verse. Aaron picked this song and sang it, and I got worried because Pastor started talking about love tonight. I'm like, don't, don't preach my message. You got a little excited from the songs tonight. Verse 3. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scrolls contain the whole 
though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. God's love can't be written down for us. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Do you realize how much ink that would be? If we were to take the ocean and turn it into ink and write about God's love, it says that the ocean would be dry. And if every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God, the love of God, can I tell you, that is an awesome God, and that is the same God that loves you every day. Are you telling others about it? Let's pray, and we'll be done for tonight. God, we thank you for the love that you showed us by sending your son down to die for us. God, help us to never just get used to the fact that you died for us and take it for granted. God, how could we ever thank you for what you did for us on the cross? God, we, we love you, and God, we're just thankful for the Bible we have that shows us these verses of your love. Help us to never forget that you love us. In uh, your name, amen.